Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Cornell ILR Sports Business Society podcast. Today is Monday, October 31st, 2022. Happy Halloween, everybody, and we got a special episode today. As always, I'm Dylan Hale, the director of the Sports Business Society's radio, joined by my star co-host. Chad Martini. Unfortunately, we don't have the other star co-host, Noah Diamond, today, but he'll be back and ready to go. And yet again, joined by very special guests, the uh, NFL analyst here, Jimmy Taylor. And your jack-of-all-trades, Kyle Goodman. There we go. Jack-of-all-trades and an NFL analyst. How much better can it get? We'll start where we started last week with New York. Um, Last week we were on a very positive narrative. Both teams looking to be trending in the right direction, that being the Jets and the Giants. This week, I can't sit here and say the same. New York Jets fall at home to the Patriots 22-17 in a game they definitely should have won, could have put them to 6-2 and two and set up a big-time AFC East showdown next week against Buffalo. Instead, Zach Wilson struggles, throws three interceptions, and they fall to New England for the 13th consecutive time, which is excruciating to watch as a New York Jet fan. But now they're sitting at 5-3, and three, play Buffalo, might or will likely fall to 5-4 and four before the bye week. Complete change in narrative for the season. Chad, what's going through your mind as my, my fellow Jet fan here on the broadcast? Yeah, uh, I think the Jets really beat themselves this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the game, it's 10-3, ten, ten about 30 seconds left in the half. Mac Jones throws a terrible pass to Michael Carter where he mm-hmm. takes it to the house, but um, roughing the pass around John Franklin's Myers leads to a... 10-6 game going into half compared to 17-3. And then Zach Wilson has one of the worst halves of football I've ever seen with my own eyes yep. outside of his last drive where he looked pretty good. But, um, yeah, so I think the Jets beat themselves. Uh, I think their defense looks amazing. I saw PFF has the Jets as the number one defense in football right mm-hmm. now and the number 32 offense in football right now. So if they had a competent quarterback, if they had a top 15 quarterback even, I think they'd be a front runner for the division and even for the conference. But... It's just hard with Zach Wilson. No one really knows what he what he could really be, what he is, and he just looks very hesitant out there. And then when he is trying to do too much, he's not making the right decisions. So it's hurting right now, but at the end of the day, we are still 5-3, and three, so we can keep our heads up for a little bit. Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Definitely uh, a type of game that, you, you know, the, uh, the Jets shot themselves in the foot. It was, uh, you know, actually not a terrible performance by Zach Wilson in the first half. You know, he obviously put up 355 yards, which is pretty solid for any QB. But, you know, you see this a lot a lot of times in young quarterbacks. You know, they go out there, they try to do too much, right, and they end up throwing three, intercepts, three interceptions. You know, they start turning the ball over. And, you know, you obviously you can't win stat line. You know, the stat line might show, you know, that you won on paper, but yet the interceptions and the turnovers, they, uh, they come back and bite you in the butt. Yeah, and the frustration is definitely growing from an emotional standpoint for the Jets because – like I said earlier, this season was completely traveling in the right direction, and as Chad says, that's not necessarily over, but New England's a team that's always circled on every Jet fan schedule for the year, and to have them come to your town at home, still figuring out who's their quarterback, I mean, their leaving, leading receiver in the game was Ramondre Stevenson, their running back, uh, who did have a good game, hats off to him, but I mean, players are frustrated, obviously Elijah Moore is someone who's becoming more frustrated as time goes on, and as fans, you wonder, is Zach Wilson the guy for the future for the Jets, because if this team is starting to get out of the rebuilding phase, hopefully, and looking towards being a playoff team, and hopefully eventually becoming a contender, it starts with, is the quarterback the right guy, and I think that remains a question mark for New York, despite their 5-3 and three record. Big test coming up next week against Buffalo. It is, it is back in New Jersey, so another home opportunity for the Jets. I know the fans were really passionate, at least there on Sunday. They had full capacity, and I'm, I'd guarantee they have it again next week. So if they can win that game, that will completely, again, turn around their, their outlook for the season. 
Yeah, and one more thing with the Jets too. I, I think a huge, uh, you know, a huge part of that loss was uh, once again the loss of um, the loss of Brees Hall. You know, yeah. you, you look at their rushing stats, and you got their lead rusher, you know, Michael Carter, with seven carries for twenty six yards, and you know the, the next uh, next best is seventeen yards, and then six, and then two. You know, you can't really win a game when you're so pass heavy. You know, and your offense is just kind of stalled. You know, you have to have a good, you know, complementary um, offense, meaning you have to have good. Rushing as well as good passing, and that's what's going to lead to success. You know, and uh, with that Brees Hall injury, I think uh, the Jets are still trying to figure out uh, how to cope and, you know, how to bounce back from that. And I think once they do, they have a good shot of, uh, you know, maybe turning the season back on track and, you know, possibly getting a couple more wins this year that could uh, end up pushing them into the playoffs. Yeah, and uh, going along with what you said, I mean, I'm still excited to see what James Robinson's going to bring to the table. It's kind of like they were playing yeah. with one running back this week. He's only He hasn't even been there for five days, so his uh, workload is obviously very limited. I think he is a similar player to Brees Hall and how physical he is, how tough he runs. So I think he'll be exciting to watch for the Jets. I think he'll be able to uh, make up what we're going to be missing with Brees Hall, not to the full extent, but I think he'll definitely be able to help out with the workload. So not all hopes lost for the Jets' run game that they had. So it'll be exciting to see what he does. Yeah, exciting to see what he does and what the team does in the future. Like I mentioned, Bills next week, then the bye, and then they actually get to play New England again, this time at Foxborough. If they could get a win there, that could be a huge emotional one for them. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Jets going forward. They have easier games down the road that they could see as potential wins. You know, Home against Chicago, home against Detroit, and home against Jacksonville. So you figure if they could win those and get some other wins, they could still end up being a playoff team. Uh, transitioning here to the New York Giants, the other New York team entered the week at 6-1. and one. Uh, they traveled to Seattle, a game we highlighted and look forward to on last week's show because both teams we kind of grouped in the same category as teams with great records, but you wonder if they're really true contenders or if they're just kind of playing more uh, below-average teams and getting away with scrappy wins. The Giants go to Seattle and lose by two scores to the Seahawks. 27-13 to was the final there. I said last week on the show that Saquon Barkley was starting to look again like the premier running back in the NFL, and he probably still is, but Seattle figured him out. He was 20 for 53 with an average of 2.7 yards a carry. Mighty struggle there. Uh, Daniel Jones, nothing special. It looked like the Giants sort of came back to earth again. And the question will be coming, we'll talk about the other teams in the division throughout the show, um, can they afford to come back to earth in, all, in a division that all of a sudden with the NFC East could be the best in football with Philly and Dallas. I know, Jim, you're going to want to jump into the Cowboys, but let's hold it for now. Let's talk Giants and Seahawks. What, what did you guys take away from this one? I think, once again, similar to the Jets, I think the Giants shot themselves in the foot. Um, the Giants are a really good team at coming from behind and playing from behind, and it was 13-20 with, I think, about a little over six minutes left. The Giants were getting the ball back to them on a punt, and they fumbled a punt, so that made it into a two-possession yep. game. So yep. I'm not going to say that had they received that punt that – the Giants would have won the game, but it definitely would have helped. It would have been fun to see what Danny Jones could have done, see if they could have brought the energy back and tied the game up, go into overtime. Or with Dable, what he did week one, maybe go for two and just uh, secure the win there. So I think they shot themselves in the foot. Uh, I don't think they played a great game offensively, and they're still in at the end. So that's always a good sign for hope. Um, but I really had them winning that game. I thought they'd win it pretty easily, so that is a little concerning for Giants. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I don't know if uh, many people who are listening to this podcast listened to last week's, but uh, I'm going to raise my hand here and say who called it. Mm. I mean, who called it? I, I knew it was eventually. I mean, the time was going to run out of the Giants. They're not a good team. They're not really? going to be a good team. Under Daniel Jones, they are never going to be a good team. I mean, the guy threw for 176 yards and zero touchdowns. I mean, come on. I mean, 13 for, 17 for 31. <clears throat> 
that's just not going to get it done. Also, I mean, against the Seahawks, once again, you know, we talked about Geno Smith last year, or last week, excuse me. You know, we don't even know how they're doing it, but they're going to keep rolling, and, you know, we respect that. But, you know, the Giants, I mean, I said they were winning their games by just a small margin against, you know, just kind of average teams. And they're, you know, they're coming back. You know, they don't start out, you know, well, but, yeah, they, they finish, you know, pretty averagely at the Giants do. And, um, you know, I think, once again, their time finally ran out. The ticker kept ticking. Uh, now they got losses to the Seahawks and the Cowboys. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's two big losses right there. And a 6-2 and two record, obviously, still a you know, pretty solid record for this year. It's anyone's game. But I think this, this win, they're not going to be able to bounce back from it. And I think it's going to slowly uh, plunge them into, um, you know, a worse and worse record. You know, check back and uh, let's talk in a week or two. And I, I can almost assure you that I will have call it again. I think what made the difference in this game was the offensive players for the Seahawks performed and the ones in the Giants did not. Daniel Jones, obviously, not the best game. Saquon Barkley, one rushing touchdown, but only 53 yards on 20 carries. It's not really getting the job done. Whereas you look at the, the Seahawks, Geno Smith, 200-plus uh, yards passing, two passing touchdowns, a very good game for him. Mm -hmm. The rookie, Kenneth Walker, uh, rushing for almost as many yards as Saquon Barkley is with less carries and one rushing touchdown to add. Tyler Lockett getting a receiving touchdown. DK Metcalf, the stud, getting a re receiving touchdown. Everyone on their offense is pitching in. And you don't really see that with the Giants. Mm -hmm. And I think the Seahawks offense has been a strength for them throughout this season. These surprisingly solid performances from Geno Smith each week yeah. uh, definitely definitely makes them feel comfortable at quarterback, much more comfortable than they thought they would be after losing Russell Wilson yeah. to Broncos country. <laughs> Let's ride. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, to go back to what Jimmy said, I think it's too early to call them out. Mm -hmm. Even if their team might not be as good as you think they are, you just look, you just look at their schedule mm -hmm. still. They're still going to play the Commanders twice. They're going to play the Texans, the Lions, and the Colts with the brand-new quarterback situation in. So, yeah, they'll play the Eagles twice, the Vikings, and the Cowboys. But, I mean, the rest of those games should be solidified wins for them. So, even if they do lose four more games, I mean, they're going to be a six-loss team at the end of the year, 11-6. and six. So, while, yeah, it might, you might think that they're not, they're not as good as a team as they show on paper, an 11-6 team is very likely to get to the playoffs still. So... I mean, who knows? Time will tell with the Giants, but I, I think it might be too early to call them out. Yeah, I'd say it's too early to call them out, especially with that schedule. And we come back to what the magic number is in the NFC. I mean, it's tough, like I mentioned, because the Giants' division is so tough that uh, realistically they'll be looking for a wild card spot regardless. So how many wins gets you there? Is it is it 10? Is it 11? But they already have six, and they get a bye week this week to rest up, watch film, you know, look at what's going wrong. Because I think the Giants are still a team, despite their 6-2 and two record, they're still trying to find their identity out there. And as the season goes on, you, you, you expect Daniel Jones to develop and progress because I'd say that he's definitely shown progressions from last year and the year before to this year. So you assume that he can continue to develop and I hope he does for the Giants' sake. And then they has the chance to do that with two straight home games after the bye against Houston and Detroit, two bottom five teams in the NFL. So if they can come out with those two, we'll be sitting here on this show in a few weeks, Jimmy, and saying the Giants are 8-2. and two, And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can't count, count them out yet. Not to say that they're a contending team, but you can't count them out. Yeah, and before we, before we get off of this game and carry on, um, 
I want to bring up a quote that Tyler Lockett said after the game, and I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. He said, it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody cares who gets the credit. I think that was kind of a jab at Russell Wilson. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what a lot of people on Twitter thought also. You look at the team, everyone was, it was really uh, well spread out uh, offensive performance. Like Kyle was just saying, you know, DK got a touchdown, Kenneth Walker got a touchdown, Tyler Lockett got a touchdown. There wasn't too much me in that team in that game. So uh, do you guys think that was a jab at Russell Wilson? Do you think that... The team really, like, we're really trying, starting to see the truth come out about who Russell Wilson was as a character on the field. You know, I, I do actually, I, I do think that is kind of a little bit of a jab. You know, obviously Geno Smith, not not uh, the biggest name in sports and hasn't been the biggest name in sports for a while. And uh, I think him coming out and showing what a, uh, you know, just kind of like an under, you know, maybe maybe underrated guy coming out and just playing for the team and all he want to do is get W's. That's mm-hmm. awesome. You know, they're not posing for pictures on Instagram. They're not sitting in the middle of uh, the field in London, you know, warming up about 15 cameras around him. You know, I mean, honestly, I think that is a jab. And I think Tyler Lockett, uh, a vet, been in the league for a long time, played with a lot of different players. I think he's uh, finally seeing a culture shift. And um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, but i, I got to switch back to the Giants. Cause I do respectfully, uh, you know, disagree with Dylan and Chad over here. You know, that's once again, back to the character thing. Uh, you know, obviously we're seeing Tyler Lockett seeing a character shift in um, in uh, Seattle. I think the Giants have no character, and I, I, I that's really? why that's why I'm counting them out. I don't think Daniel Jones can get it done. He's not a leader. He doesn't. He doesn't. Yeah, but they got well the new the head front. coach, Brian Dable. He seems like all the character you need. I, yeah, I think yeah. if they have anything, it's character, Jimmy. I, I think that's more of a for show type thing. Okay. And once again, even even if the coaches promote it, you have to have a player. You know, that does it? I, I think the. Uh, you know, the Lions, Dave Campbell, I think that guy, you know, promotes it, you know, the best they can, you know, but still, you see the Lions getting a bunch of W's this year? No, you know, it's got to come from the players and Jared Goff over there. I mean, God bless his soul. You know, he's trying his butt off, but I, don't, I still yeah. don't think he has it. I think Daniel Jones and Jared Goff are in the same uh, boat there. But anyway, back to the title, Lockett. Yeah, no, Russell Wilson. Wait, 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 wait. One, one of those teams is 6-2 and two, and one is 1-6, one 1-5. And and so... Mm-hmm. Can you really complain with that kind of record compared to the other? Once again, I was more talking about, you know, once they face adversity, I think they're going to tank. Mm-hmm. Now they're facing adversity. They just lost oh, to a, a team that they should not have lost to. I think what's going to happen is they're going to continue to lose to teams they shouldn't because they can't pull it together. You need to have a strong head on the field. You need to have a player strong head, and I don't think they have that right now. I think that's the more interesting route to take because – Finding out how they respond to adversity is something we don't know about them because they started 2-0. and Even when they lost to Dallas, they were still a winning team, you know. And now all the momentum's in their favor and they lose to Seattle. I think this could be some adversity for them, but like I said, that's good for them that they have the bye week coming up and we'll find out what that character is. We'll find out what that culture is. And then just touching on the Seahawks briefly, I think in comparison to the Giants, I think they are a team that's found, their, found who they are, found their identity, and found their culture. Um, even though they're in a tough NFC West division, like – like you said, Chad, with the Tyler Lockett quote, I feel like they're a team that's not all revolved around one guy like they were with Russell Wilson, and I think that's freeing for them. I think that gives them room to breathe, especially for Pete Carroll as well. You know, Pete and Russ have always had sort of their back and forth, not publicly, but, you know, kind of figuring out who's who's the guy. Is it Pete? Is it Russ? Mm-hmm. And now that Russ is gone and it's not a completely QB-centric team with Geno Smith, they can sort of look back and say, look, we'll have everybody and everybody involved. And that's how they're winning games, I think. I think they're just relaxing you know not under too much pressure not even playing in the national spotlight despite being a five and three team Geno Smith is just 
I think he's the epitome of showing up and doing his job right now. He's not yeah. like he's putting up. He's winning football games. He's not going like Mahomes and throwing for four hundred and five TDs. He's showing up. He's completing a great percentage of passes, throwing well every week. And then like he's he's getting guys involved again. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf basically split down the middle in terms of their productivity yesterday. Kenneth Walker, I think, is an emerging stud. So I think the Seahawks are a team that has figured out what they are. That's not to say they'll win the division. We'll get to San Francisco and the Rams and all that in a second. But I think Seattle should be feeling good going forward. Um, yeah, going into the third New York team, uh, Sunday Night Football last night, Buffalo got the win at home against Green Bay. Uh, they won that game by 10 points, but really it was uh, it was the first half that carried them. They definitely slowed down in the second half. Josh Allen threw two interceptions in the game. Um, it, it was a weird it was a weird game because you'd think when a team goes up like that after the first half, they'd start to rely on their run and slow the game down or speed the game up in terms of uh, wasting the clock away. But they kept throwing the ball and they kept it. It, it wasn't a typical. Um, way to handle being up a few scores in a game, and they sort of let the Packers hang around. I was wondering what your take on that was, Chad. Do you think that the Bills are – are you concerned about that, that they let them hang in the game, or are the Bills still in a good spot? No, I, I'm not concerned with the Bills at all. I think they played a great game. They played a great first half. Second half, obviously, it looks like they took their foot off the pedal, even yeah. though they were still passing the ball. And I mean, they don't really have a run game established, so they can't really rely on – running the clock out, running the ball, because Josh Allen is their best runner. You don't want Josh Allen right. running the ball every play. Well, that's what I'm saying. Do you think they're over-reliant on Josh Allen at this point? I, I, I don't think you could say that because just because of how good he is. I, I mean, you want to be over-reliant on Josh Allen, if anything, because the talent that he has is, is I think it's unseen. I don't think we've ever seen a player like him, who a quarterback who's hurtling players, who's lowering his shoulder into players. He had an unreal juke yesterday to get down at the one-yard line, which was mind-blowing. This guy's 6'6", probably 240 pounds, just moving that quickly. And then this has an absolutely cannon for an arm. So I don't think they could ever be too over-reliant, over-dependent on Josh Allen. I think what happened was we saw a little bit of a flashback from Aaron Rodgers. We saw the the Aaron Rodgers that we knew, but at the end of the day, their team was not good enough. They weren't good enough to compete or to come back in that game because we saw some flashes from Rodgers last night. But at the end of the day, the receivers he's playing with, they lost Christian Watson early, so he's playing with Sammy Watkins and two other rookie receivers. So, I mean, I thought it was pretty expected to win. I think the Bills should have won by a little bit more, but at the end of the day, it wins a win. Yeah, I mean, when you can win by still a 10-point margin and you only put up three points in the second half, you really have a good team. I'm, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Yeah. That means your defense is working hard, your offense is producing. They might not have produced in the second half, but they produced in the first half most mm-hmm. definitely. But your defense is working hard. you got a great compliment. And, you know, with the with the offensive absolute arsenal, Josh Allen, come on now. He's, he's an absolute dog, as Chad said. He's a 6'5", 245-pound dude, juking out people, hurling people, lowering his shoulder, which is exactly what Chad said last week, too, if you, mm-hmm. if you didn't notice, if you're a big fan of us here. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's just something to be t- said about. And then you got Stephon Diggs, you know, going six receptions for 108 yards and one TD. Bond. I mean, he is incredible. Best receiver he is the, in the best league. receiver in the league. Everyone loves Diggs. Diggs with the side. You know how it is. Come on, Dale. Laugh with me here. <laughs> but then we got, uh, you know, and then obviously we do have, um, yeah, they, they do have like kind of a, kind of, they're lacking in the run game, but they don't really, that's not their forte, and that's okay. As I said earlier with the Giants, um, you need, um, you need a good, uh, oh, excuse me, the uh, the Jets, excuse me, you need a great, you know, good run game and a good um, pass game. You got to balance. Maybe compliments. But that's when you have a average quarterback and an average pass game. Right here, obviously, you see the Bills with an over, 
an overabundance of you know uh, physical ability with pass and uh, you know run can just be something they need to do when they need to get one or two yards. And that's, that's what I see going forward. And I don't think you need to be worried at all. Six and one has got to keep getting better and better, especially with that arsenal. Yeah, and so we got a big Packers fan here today. I want to hear your thoughts, Kyle. What did you think about the game? Did you think anything special from the Bills, or was it just your new look Packers and just the average effort that they put out every week? No, I I unfortunately would have to attribute it to our team's ineptitude. Mm. Uh, let this be a memo for Packers GM Brian Goodkunst. This is why you draft offensive skill players in the first round. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, the Packers messed around and drafted Jordan Love a couple of seasons ago who was chalked up as Rodgers' replacement, angering Rodgers and almost forcing him to leave, mm-hmm. then forcing the team to shell out all of that money to keep him, and this is what they get. Yeah. Rodgers, uh, anyone could say that he's underperforming, and the picks that should have been used on receivers were used on other players. Some of them did turn out to be good players, but there's certainly a talent deficiency on the offensive side. The Bills' offense was better, and that's what made the difference in this game, and that's what's been making the difference in many of the Packers' games. Uh, week one against the Vikings, rookie receiver Christian Watson drops a bomb pass, which would have been a sure touchdown. And that that's just been a continuing continuing theme. The, the oh. youth in the receiving core uh, and just the lack of offensive firepower that you typically see from a uh, Green Bay Packers team is really what's holding, holding them back and making them... Uh, struggle to win a really weak NFC North. It's it's really weak uh, every season, and this one is no different. You have bottom feeders and the Lions and uh, Bears, yeah. and they're letting the Vikings run away with it. And the Vikings, uh, you know, I wouldn't say that they're bad, but they're certainly no one's uh, Super Bowl favorite. And it's just... Uh, it's a cautionary tale. You have to draft offensive players in the first round. You yeah. just have to. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I agree with that. Even if it's not offensive players, you have to draft someone that's going to have a big impact on your team. Because drafting a player like Jordan Love, what was that, three or four years ago, mm-hmm. and now they just signed Aaron Rodgers for another two years. So if you're looking at it that way, you don't expect him to be playing for six years from after you drafted him. It's, it's not worth the first-round pick at that point. And even... No offense to Jordan Love, but when he was coming out of college, he wasn't doing anything that special where it was like, this guy is undoubted round one pick. We should be taking him right now. And they traded up to get him. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they could have gotten him with the pick they already had, but yeah. they're like, you know what? We like this guy. We're going to trade up to get him. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it, it was yeah. bad. It was bad. I, I mean, it is Halloween, and I, I think the entire Green Bay Packers staff should be dressing up as clowns. <laughs> That's <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. That was a ridiculous thing multiple years ago. You know, To me, I see Trey Lance and Jordan Love kind of in the same boat. Mm-hmm. I, I think Trey Lance is obviously a little bit better, and he, he can do more, and he's got more potential. But, man, I, I, I really disliked that pick a couple of years ago. I'm, I'm still... Still feel bad for Aaron Rodgers. I would have left personally because first off, who wants to be in Green Bay? Uh, second off, I mean that's just terrible. Showing disrespect to a 
you know, an all-time pro. But there is a positive about that Green Bay game. Uh, I know we might be going on a little long in this segment here, but I, I, I still I want to talk about Aaron Jones. Yeah. You know, 20 carries, 143 yards, averaging 7.2 per run. I mean, that's pretty impressive. Obviously, no touchdowns, you know, not, not being able to punch it in. But still, for 143 yards, that's, that's a pretty phenomenal uh, performance, Absolutely. you know, by a running back. Um, that's, that's a positive, and, and obviously with Aaron Rodgers struggling, I think that is a little bit of bright light at the end of this dark tunnel that they're in right now. And yeah. I, I think as uh, the season progresses, you know, more people get injured, people get banged up, teams are, you know, missing people in the D-line, that could be an absolute weapon. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Packers have. I'm not going to count them out 100% yet, but a 3-5 record from a Hall of Fame quarterback we're going to have to see, and we'll just have to, you know, play it day by day with that. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting to see what they do before this trade deadline when it comes to grabbing another receiver because mm -hmm. the receiver room is really banged up. Um, Lazard should be back soon. Watson should be back soon. But uh, Randall Cobb's on the IR. There's guys out there yeah. that could definitely be traded, could definitely make some noise. I know Judy's one of the names. Elijah Moore is one of the names. So I think... It's too early to call the Packers season out, and I think the Packers really should be looking into these guys, not only to make Aaron Rodgers happy, but to make their offense look like the offense that we've seen for them for the past decade. Yeah, I mean, the theme, theme we've had throughout this show so far, looking at every game we've broken down, is the search for identity this far into the season. Have you found your identity? Have you found your culture? Have you found your way to win? What is it that, that gets you every week? And I think Green Bay is a team that I'd say is at the top of my list in the league for not finding their identity yet. They haven't found what's going to be their winning recipe. And I, I think, Jimmy, you made a great point about looking at the bright side of the game because they still haven't found out if they are a pass-first team, run-first team. I think it's sort of just the default with Green Bay that you've assumed in the past years with guys like Jordy Nelson, uh, Prime Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, and obviously all centered by Hall of Fame quarterback Aaron Rodgers that Green Bay would be a team that absolutely airs it out, that throws the ball for 300, 400 yards a game, all these touchdowns. Of course they're going to be a throw-first team. So now... I mean, you're looking at Aaron Rodgers dropping back to pass and throwing to guys. His top receivers at this point in time are Romeo Dubs and Torre, like two guys who literally 95% of football fans haven't heard about. And that's frustrating for Aaron Rodgers. I'm not putting all the blame on, it, on him for it because, like you mentioned, Kyle, he doesn't have that offensive, that offensive uh, weaponry that he's had in the past. But looking at their rushing performance last night, A.J. Dillon as well was 10 for 54 as a total the team Average 6.7 yards a carry. So I think Green Bay, as they look forward, will continue to search for that identity on the offensive side of the ball. But I think, uh, Chad, you also make a great point about what they're going to do before the deadline. Uh, getting Lazard back, I mean, the Packers still have time, you think, to figure it out. But I don't know if they do. So watching Green Bay going forward will be interesting. And if they can ever find that identity, honestly, it might not be this year. And then we'll have another big offseason speculations as to what Aaron Rodgers will do. Probably put out some cryptic messages on social media, find some new medicine or drug to, to uh, keep him busy. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what happens with Green Bay. Honestly, at the, the bottom of my heart, I hope for Aaron Rodgers that he, he figures it out because that's what we're used to seeing. I hope he gets a haircut. That, that's, well, that's, <laughs> that's what I need. That's probably top probably get some new tattoos. Also. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh God. Date Danica Patrick again, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the last week when we when we talked about Rodgers, we grouped him with Tom Brady as the two premier quarterbacks in our lifetimes. Uh, so we'll set we'll switch over to Tom Brady for a second because every week we we regroup on this show and we say, is it time to panic for the for the Bucks? And usually I think it's Chad who says, no, it's not time to panic. We'll watch till next week. And this week. The Bucks lose again, albeit to the Ravens, great football team, but they struggled mightily, um, and this week is different. We have a new headline. There's been speculations for a while, but Tom Brady, after 13 years with Giselle, they are f finally divorced. 
Uh, we won't get into the specifics of their personal lives and relationship statuses uh, as much as, as my colleague Jimmy would like to. But what we'll, 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 okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll focus on the Bucks here and uh, give credit to the Ravens for getting a big-time road win. The Bucks now sit at 3-5, and five, stri- struggling mightily week after week and do not have the easiest of schedules. They've got the Rams and the Seahawks coming up. Um, yeah, so like, like we say every week, though, it is the NFC South, a very forgiving division in terms of trying to come out on top, despite the, the Falcons now in the lead at 500. Shout-out to Marcus Mariota. Um, but Tom Brady is someone who obviously has a lot weighing on his mental uh, off the field as well as on, and this is a team that I'm starting to worry about personally. So here's our weekly checkup. What do you guys think about Tom Brady and the Bucks at this point in time? Uh, I think the divorce is going to clear some things up for Brady. I think it will take a lot off his shoulders. I mean, there's a lot of pressure with the fam- everything going on within his family over yep. the past month or whatever it may be. I think now that's finally over with, obviously it's going to be a tough few days, weeks, months for him, but it takes a lot off his shoulders. It will allow him to focus more on football right now. Uh, I didn't really think too much of the Buccaneers-Ravens game. I thought it was good that they hung in with the Ravens, but they're not looking to hang in games. They're looking to win games, so... I think they still could turn the table down the road, but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know much more about them. I would say it's really bad for, their, for mm-hmm. the Bucks. They've lost three straight games, and they'd also lost to the very mediocre Green Bay Packers <laughs> early on in the season. Coming from a it, Packers fan, yes, that is your yes. hand over there. In that game, they only put up 12 points, and Green Bay has never been known to be a great defensive team, and they only put up 12 points against the Packers at home. And this was before uh, the big divorce fiasco. So there's really not a lot to be excited about. This was a division many thought the Bucks could run away with. Because uh, right now the, the head of the division is a 4-4 four and four Falcons team. Yep. That uh, we mentioned identity really is also trying to establish an identity. They parted ways with their longtime quarterback, Matt Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, trying things out with Marcus Mariota. Yep. It's It can't get much worse, really. Yeah, I mean, the Bucks, uh, Bucks three and five, it, it, it can't, you say it can't get much worse, I, I, I do agree. And usually I don't agree with, uh, you know, the lanky dude sitting across from me over there, Chad Martini. But uh, I, I think the uh, I, I think the divorce might clear up some things for Tom. I, he was uh, probably dealing with it, you know, probably having internal struggles. And now, uh, now that we have, you know, he, he's kind of I wouldn't want to say getting rid of that, but you know, technically right. he is he is kind of he is kind of dropping that load. He doesn't have to worry about uh, he doesn't have to worry about that anymore. And uh, you know, he actually had a pretty solid performance. Not the completion percentage that he would want, but he threw for three hundred twenty-five yards True. and one touchdown. And you know, at a certain point, you just gotta, you know, you gotta start thinking about, um, you know, he, he's playing well. And then you got um, rushing though, but the, the leading rusher was rushing for twenty four. Yeah, Fournette struggled. I mean, but the thing is though, I don't, I don't know if he really struggled. I mean, yeah, he had low average, but I, I think they're not giving enough carries. I, if you look at the stat sheet, I mean, they don't even have twenty carries. Yeah. You know, as a team that probably snaps, you know, probably sixty, seventy times per game. You know, you're not even having 20 Yeah, Tom threw it 44 yeah. times. Yeah, exactly. That's a lot of times for a 45-year-old man. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, he's throwing out his shoulder out there. You need somebody else to, uh, yep. you know, to kind of carry the load. And I think when they won the Super Bowl a couple years back, you know, I think they had a great 
uh, you know, great mixture of both pass and run game mm -hmm. to where they were able to dominate teams, you know, both in the air and on the ground. But uh, another uh, positive about that team where I'm still looking, um, I'm still positive about the Bucks is that, you know, Mike Evans is going for 123 yards. Yeah. yeah that's a big time for him. Yeah. Um, He's still playing solid. And, you know, obviously he's been a long time vet now. He's been in the league for a while. He's got a lot of experience, probably a lot of, uh, a lot of a leadership, you know, experience coming on. And maybe he can help take that load away from Tom a little bit, and uh, those guys can go off as kind of a dynamic duo. And then you know we'll get Leonard Fournette activated as we mm -hmm. keep going. And uh, I, I think um, lucky enough that uh, the division is so terrible that you know you're really only one win behind. You know, yeah. I mean, you really only got to win one or two times, and you could be on top. And Godwin got back in, into things, which is nice to see yeah. for him, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's been banged up for a while. So seeing him, I think he had around 70, 80 receiving yards. That's always a good sign for them. I actually i will take the stance that it's not time to panic yet for Tampa Bay. Honestly, one of the forefront reasons for that is the forgiving division. Uh, they're At 3-5, and five, they're only a game back, and you trust that Tom Brady's going to figure it out. As much as I hate to say it, he does lead the league in yards to this point and only has one interception, which you traditionally see out of Tom Brady. So I think the Buccaneers will figure it out. But we will switch here to the more positives and look at the top dogs in the NFC and in the NFL. Uh, we'll hand it to you, Jim. The Cowboys put up 49 points. Woo! Dallas puts up 49 points against Chicago and gets the win. Uh, they improve to 6-2. and two. Big time win for the Cowboys. And... In that division, which who would have who would have seen it coming, the NFC East being the best in football, the Eagles also improved to seven and zero, really in a in a style in a styled fashion. Jalen Hurts throwing for four touchdowns. AJ Brown exploded. Philadelphia looking unstoppable. But we'll start, Jim, with your Cowboys in the NFC East here. What's your initial thoughts and reactions from yesterday's win? Well, you know, in the conference in general, I'm just going to be honest with you, there's a quote in the Bible, those who are first shall be last, and those who are last shall be first. You know, obviously the NFC last year was atrocious, but this year they're coming back with a new vigor, and they are ready to go, and all the teams are looking very good besides the commies. You know, the Giants, Cowboys are still, you know, they're, they're going to fight it out for number two in that division, but, you know, they're really right close, uh, close by to the Eagles, you know, with only one win behind. Uh, the Eagles, obviously, I, I really dislike the Eagles. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to try not to be biased here, but it's going to be tough. But the Eagles are playing good football. You know, their defense is absolutely outstanding. You know, while uh, Jalen Hurts is, you know, a guy that wasn't really highly touted you know, coming out of uh, college, mm -hmm. you know, but now he's over here being an absolutely functional MVP quarterback. To, to he's, yeah, MVP to Dave. He's, he's leading a team. And honestly, what I've heard about him behind closed doors, that he's an outstanding teammate outstanding friend, you know, just a great leader. And, uh, you know, that obviously that shows with a 7-0 uh, record. And then let's talk about them Cowboys, baby. Let's talk about them Cowboys. 49 points in the game. Two words for you. Dax back. Mm. He's back, baby. I mean, obviously the uh, the Bears, you know, aren't the greatest team in the world. Well, they, they still have... put up 29. I'd say they had a good offensive day against no, I'd, Dallas. I'd say so, too. But, you know, that. But the thing is what the Cowboys haven't been worried about, they haven't been worried about their defense all right. Right, I think what happened right. is the offense was going off for so much that maybe the defense got a little bit lackluster. Yeah, you know? yeah. Kind of slacked off a little bit, led up to 29 points. But I don't really think it matters. I think what really needs to be focused on is that offensive explosion coming from Dak and the gang. I mean, unbelievable day. Uh, truly, you know, great stat line by all the team. You know, stat patter. And, uh, you know, it's a great game for the boys. And, uh, man, I'm excited, to see, uh, I'm excited to see what happens for us this year. Also, Tony Pollard going for 131 yards. Big time. 9.4, averaging three tutters. Like, come on now. That, that's awesome. You, you can't stop that. You have a great, great just, you know, back and forth kind of offense. And now Tony Pollard's the top guy, you know, since uh, Zeke was out. And, yep. uh, 
you know, it, it's good to see, you know, him he picking up the uh, picking up the carriage. You know, he's doing a good job, and uh, I'm excited to see. Yeah, I don't think there's too much to be said about either of these games, the Eagles or the Cowboys games. I think they're both expected results. The Eagles played a pretty a, a team with no identity, like we've been saying, which is the Steelers, and then. The Cowboys played the Bears, so I think it was great to see the Cowboys' offense come to life because we've been waiting for that, and now Dak Prescott's back. It's it's great to see them put up 49 points. Yeah. Uh, a concern that I have with the Cowboys is Jerry Jones goes out after the game and says that Zeke is still their guy. He's still their number one running back. And I know you obviously want to show your support for Zeke, but I think Zeke has lost his power. He's, lost the, he's not the Zeke that we used to think he was. And I think Tony Pollard's uh, the emerging star in that backfield, and to... Have Jerry Jones so definitively say that after the game, I think that I could be a concern because I think not having Tony Pollard in their offense as much, it really ho will hold their offense back. So I would like to see Tony Pollard pick up his uh, his share in the backfield, but I don't know if Jerry Jones and the staff has the same um, opinion on that. You know, I, I think the uh, the staff has the definitive say. I mean, obviously Jerry Jones is the overseer of everything. You know, but I, I think that Jerry's just kind of speaking from the clouds there. I respect the man. You know, great businessman. You know, obviously great owner of a great team. You know, but I, I think uh, you know I, I think Tony Pollard's going to be the main guy from going on here on out. Regardless, regardless, I'd, I'd hope so. Yeah, regardless yeah. of what uh, of what uh, Jones says, yeah. I, I think uh, I think. Uh, I think the the staff will make the right decision in the end, you know, and I, I think it will still be kind of a complimentary system, a rushing system, where you know I think Zeke's gonna get a, a good five to six yard carries, but Tony Pollard's gonna be that 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 break the run, you know, break out for about seventy yards. Explosive, you know. yeah, exactly, yeah. much more explosive carries. Long live Cooper Rush. <laughs> we'll be missed. Yeah, well, we'll be missed. Good to see Dak back. Though. Yeah, he did his job, and now Dak's back, and he's about to do his job like nobody's business. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, I think there's just a lot to be excited about in general for the Cowboys offense. I think if they're really <clears throat> smart about it, they don't uh, go all out and put all their eggs in one of the RB's baskets. I think hopefully you can have a two RB system going forward where both guys can thrive and also kind of compete for that starting job as the year goes on because they're back in with their aerial attack now with Dak back and CD and all those guys firing. So I'm excited for the Cowboys going forward. I'm excited for the NFC East race in general going forward. I think Philadelphia and Dallas will continue to battle it out. Dallas gets the bye this week and then actually has two big games back to back heading to Green Bay and then heading to Minnesota. So we talk about identity. You know the Cowboys are 6-2 and two, but those last two games are home against the Bears and Lions and before that they lost to the Eagles. So the big question for Dallas that I have and I have every year <clears throat> is they sort of, they always beat the teams they're supposed to beat. But what comes down to finding out who the cow who the Cowboys are and what they're made of is what will they do against the big time teams? Because last year, for example, we were thinking, okay, the Cowboys got the three seed. Are they going to make a run in the playoffs this year? And then they show up and they host San Francisco and they lose that first game. And I know it's a game that hurts Cowboys fans, and they have many of those in the past. But the point I'm trying to make here is that Dallas is a team that beats who they're supposed to beat. But what we'll really find out in these next few weeks and in the postseason is can they beat the teams? as good or better than them, because that's something that has plagued Dallas in the past and has always been a big question mark in my book. You know, we'll let our talking on the field show. Uh, they're non-believers here, you know, but as a fan base. Not uh, a non-believer, just uh, a bit no, You know, he, he's just a little bit salty that the Jets are still going to be the same to do Jets. With the Jets. Oh, it's always to do with the Jets. Yeah, okay. Everything is about you to do with the Jets. I'm sorry that your team's no good. All right. And they haven't been in the playoffs since you can remember. So, I, I mean, 
Let's get Mark Sanchez the butt fumble. I mean, dude, oh, everything that happens, everything that happens bad in football has something break. to do I mean, with the Jim, Jets. Jim, Jim, I'm all both of y'all here. Okay, Jim. In, in our yeah. in our lifespan, we have had basically the same results for our, both our teams. So I mean, looking at that, I don't think there's anything. At least we we've really had separate. years to be excited about. Yeah, but then the disappointment hurts more than the excitement. It's true. Good <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I'd rather not just. I'd rather sell out games, you know, for the most of the year and have a great attendance and you know, have a great team and have people thinking. Yeah, but that's do what well. I'm saying. I that's think fine. I think Dallas is just a, it's it's a circus on on wheels. It's a show, you know. Okay, they fill all the seats in Jerry's world. and They got the hot cheerleaders and they got all that going for them. But what are they going to do when when push comes to shove and they play San Francisco in the playoffs or they play Philadelphia, who I don't think they're beating right now either, Jim? What's going to happen with Dallas then? Well, I'll tell you right now, the show is going to come. Well, the Jets won't even make it that far. I, I didn't if you're talking the about Jets. if you're talking about the Cowboys being a circus. I think the Jets are in your head. You're the one talking about the Jets. Oh, the Jets are in my head. Okay, there, Sauce. All right, here we go. Oh, yeah, bring up Sauce. Yeah. It's better than anybody Dallas has. But Trevon Diggs with the most picks? Like, come on now. It doesn't matter the about the ball. Right, 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 right. I, 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 I the, the, the mute ball. speaks. The, the mute speaks. <laughs> I, 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 I got to separate it. The ball is just thrown to Trayvon Diggs. Like, if right. you actually watch Trayvon Diggs play, he's not that great of, his, of a cornerback. He just happens to be... Yeah. At the right place at the right time. Like, the ball because the Cowboys out. trust him with one-on-one matchups. Exactly. So you're going know to get one-on-one matchups. His son, his son might be cute, but... but his well, son, what are, you, well, what are we talking about his son here? You must be checked out. Oh, my... It's not about his son being cute. What are we doing? What is going on the media, in this the, room? The media loves Trayvon Diggs because he always brings his son to the press conferences and he talks yeah. about his dad getting all the interceptions. So does Steph Curry. So does Steph Curry. Right. Riley, I mean, come on, we can talk about this all day. That's off the field stuff. But the Cowboys this year are going to be great and they continue to be great. Which every, which every Cowboy fan last says year. in October. Last year, right. year, before, year before that. It's getting hot in the studio right now. I think Dill's gonna cool it off. Yeah. See what yeah. Dill's well, before I cool it off, Jim, you had a cool moment in your I got, I got a little quick story Cowboys. to tell everybody here. Anybody fans of you know just the game and uh, you know a quick quick story. I'll keep it really quick. Yeah. So I'm, I'm known as a story guy. Just let, let y'all know. Um, but you know this weekend, uh, you know the Cornell football <laughs> team was out at Princeton, and uh, you know we we're sitting uh, outside after the game, and uh, you know a familiar face walks by, and you know. I'm going to be honest with you. I played this very cool. Yeah, You're about to this is my idol. The Jason Garrett walks by us because he's a Princeton alum. And uh, I go, hey, Coach Garrett, how you doing? And uh, he goes, he goes oh, hey, what's going on? I'm like, yeah, my name's Jamie Taylor. I'm from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. i uh huge Cowboys fan. Watched you for a decade. You know, thank you for everything you've done for us. You know, I'm not going to talk about his his uh, lackluster record, but you know, I was gonna say thank you for what he did, you know, because obviously I grew up watching the guy. He's one of my idols, you know. And I shook his hand, talked to him for a minute, and uh, Dill, Dill said I did a pretty good job. Yeah, I thought but, I thought you handled it well. Yeah, he was there too, so I, I think I handled pretty well. But after that, I was shaking. I did not ask for a picture because he was with some family and friends. But uh, you know, super uh, super big pleasure to meet him and. Uh, Super excited. Just a little story, a little sidetrack there after the little argument. Kind of cools back down. Now cool. we're relaxed. But let's get it going. Let's keep it going back up. Let's keep this fire going. Well, yeah, I love having the fire going. Arguments is something I think the show has lacked in the past, but um, we'll move on. Uh, I think on a positive note, one team that I think in the NFC is certainly back, and this is not an overreaction because their pieces are starting to come back together, is the San Francisco 49ers, a team that I talked about in the last segment, that going into Dallas and winning there in the wild card round. I think the 49ers are becoming the team to beat, definitely in the NFC West, despite Seattle, you know, having the top record and being at top. 
They are just going to have a three-headed monster offensively with Kittle. Debo wasn't even playing this weekend, and they won against the Rams. Uh, Kittle, Debo, and McCaffrey. Shout-out to Christian McCaffrey. It took a week for him to settle in, but, oh, my God, did he settle in. Triple crown, threw a, t threw a touchdown, caught a touchdown, and ran for a touchdown. I think they are most comfortable with Jimmy G at the helm. May he be the most talented option for them? I don't think so, but he runs the show, and he runs a good show. I think San Francisco is a team that could go to the Super Bowl this year. Um, there'll be some exciting games in the postseason in the NFC, but I'm excited about the 49ers. What's your take, anybody? Yeah, a uh, bunch of beasts on that team. I already gave my take on them last week, so I won't spend too yeah. much time on them. But, I mean, like you said, the three-headed monster, and then the defense that is just there's such a strong defense, even with the injuries they have, is just – I think they're the one of the favorites in the – NFC right now. I know Jimmy won't be a fan of that, but just their roster and how they play with each other, yeah. now they're adding in the best running back that we've had in the past five years. It's it's a scary sight for other teams. I mean, uh, coming back to the theme of identity, I think San Francisco is showing that you know sometimes and like most of the time, it is is cool to stick with your identity, and you don't have to every year go out and try to make some crazy trade to get like draft picks or whatever. You can. You can stick with your recipe, and it's gotten them deep into the postseason in the last few years. They had the Super Bowl appearance. They had the NFC title appearance last year. They're very close to, to making it to the Super Bowl. But they're staying with that recipe of Jimmy G, even though it's not how they drew it up to start the season. But they can be comfortable in the moment and not have to worry about what they're going to do with picks in the future. What are they going to do with Trey Lance? Take things on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis, and that could be their best recipe going forward because if I'm San Francisco and I'm looking in the mirror – I have Kyle Shanahan, arguably the best coach in football, and the coach they've had for the past few years and trusted, Jimmy G, the guy they've trusted, Debo Samuel, George Kittle, the same faces in the locker room. I think San Francisco can look down day by day and be very com comfortable where, they're, where they are going forward because that's a team, while they only, while they only sit at 4-4 four and four right now, that's a record that I can tell you with confidence will improve if guys stay healthy. And, I mean, health actually is a question mark for them because of uh, their uh, growing reliance on Christian McCaffrey uh, and Debo Samuel's been hurt, but uh, Ayuk's also stepping up. I think San Francisco is a team to watch going forward. On the topic of great teams in football, we will return with our weekly segment this week with our Martini hierarchy. Chad, what do you have for us? Who are your top teams in ball this week? We're looking forward to breaking it down. Uh, I'm a little uncomfortable saying this one across the table from Jimmy, but God bless he, has a, he has a small wingspan, so don't have to worry about him swinging oh, at me. Okay, there, Chad. All love Jimmy. It's pounds. all love Jimmy, but um, so I have the Vikings at five over the Cowboys at six right now. Um, I think the Vi the Vikings have one loss or one lost team, and they've looked great. Um, nothing much to say there. Bengals still at four for me. I want to see how they play against the Browns. I think that they'll handle the Browns, especially with their quarterback situation and just their overall offensive situation with the distractions they have. Um, number three, the Chiefs. They had a bye week, so there's nothing to grade them on this week. But just when you have a team like – when you have a quarterback with Patrick Mahomes, you're getting your receivers going more with Juju and Nicole Hardman. Yep. You just trade for Kadarius Toney, who, if he's utilized correctly, and I think he will be under that offense. Asset, for sure. He is one of the most dangerous weapons in the NFL. It's all about his off-the-field character and um, his health, which could only hold him back. Uh, number two, I got the Eagles. Looked great, but uh, at the end of the day, they were playing the Steelers. Uh, Jalen Hurts looks alive. A.J. Brown looks alive. This have a complete roster right now, which is why they don't have a loss. Number one, the Bills. Still super high on the Bills, even mm -hmm. though I'm a Jets fan. It, what Josh Allen does is 
unlike any other. Virtually they're, unstoppable. They have virtually unstoppable. Their defense is great, even with injuries in the secondary. They have rookies stepping up, showing up. Um, their pass rush is great with Vaughn Miller. I just think they have arguably the most complete roster in the NFL right now, and it's why I have them number one. Thoughts open for anyone? Yeah. I I mean, you knew it was going to make me mad. I, I mean, you already knew. Uh, I, I don't really have too much to say about this. I'm still disappointed that, you know, the boys aren't in the top five, especially after putting up 49 points in a NFL game, which, you know, that's very rarely seen. Uh, against the Bears. Yeah, well, my, Bears well, have been known for great well, defense. Let me years, justify it, but they don't defense. have it anymore. They, they just still let, have a solid defense. They just let go of Roquan Smith, too, so it's shown that they don't well, really they care about the defense. The I, I'm aware. I know. I know. I'm aware. I'm aware. I'm aware. Come on. I'm saying is I think the Cowboys will be able to make it to the top five. I want to see the consistency from them, though, because they haven't had Dak back for a while. Their win against the Lions wasn't as pretty as I would have liked it to be. And so, yes, it, this was a pretty offensive showing. Mm -hmm. But I'd like to see them do it again. I'd like to see them do it against a better team. And I think they definitely will be a top okay, five team. Okay, can, can we just go through really quick? Uh, you know, you said the, the Cowboys win against the, the Lions wasn't great enough. We yeah, already, we already touched on this last week, Jim. The we Vikings, against, touch on it no, Vikings against Lions, 24-28. All right, Lions, won by, uh, Lions lost by four. You know, they, then the, the Vikings lost by... Yeah, I don't think I can't do math right it's now. It's an interdivision game. The Saints are always higher in interdivision games. Then they get Saints versus Vikings, 28-25. <clears throat> you got Bears versus Vikings, 29-22. Like, not, they're not putting up anywhere near the numbers. I, I don't think they're strong enough to be in the top five. That's all, all right. I'm saying. We'll see, we'll see in a few yeah, weeks. The, the win against the Cardinals is a good win. You know, I think they had a uh, pretty good, uh, solid team win. But I do respectfully disagree with you there, Chad. I respect that. Uh, Cincinnati also, I, I, do, I, I was not a believer as of last week. Um, I'm still not really a believer. I got to see how they play tonight. Um, the yeah. Jamar Chase injury is going to hold them back. That I didn't touch on be... that, but I think they have enough uh, weaponry on the offense to be able to live with him for uh, for uh, a few weeks without him. But um, yeah, but they're still record four and three. Um, they're not. The Jamar Chase is huge. You know, he's yeah. obviously a huge weapon. That's that's going to take. Um, you know, he, usually they put a guy that's you know clouded over him as well. So yeah. usually they take two guys away on the on the offense. Yeah, it's a top top uh, five receiver yeah. in the NFL. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really really tough this week. But I mean, they are playing the Browns, and the Browns are back to seeing what we saw for the Browns for about I don't know five decades. So mm -hmm. it, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting time to watch. Um, still waiting on Deshaun Watson to make an appearance. Let's not talk about him because yeah. that no. only get me heated. But. Uh, yeah, it's just, uh, and I agree with the top three. I mean, obviously, once again, don't like Philly, but, uh, you know. You have to give them respect. You respect them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But Buffalo's an absolute locomotive right now. I mean, it's a darn train. They're, they can't be stopped. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You guys, people, if you got people on the train tracks, man, they're going to run right through them. Yeah. Uh, KC, yeah, bye week this week, but, uh, you know, obviously still a great team. And obviously with the pickup of Tony, uh, obviously he's not, he's not a Tyreek Hill, you know, but if, if he stays healthy, he stays, um, you know, mentally there, yeah. then he can be an absolute weapon and be some sort of semblance, uh, resemblance to, uh, you know, maybe a mi like a minor version of uh, yeah. of what Tyreek Hill was. I mean, and I think that's their plan. You never know. He's a small, twitchy, fast receiver, and that's who Tyreek Hill was. Tyreek Hill wasn't yeah. shining in his first few years in the NFL, but being in that offense, being with Mahomes, made him really be who the man he is today. So I mean, you never know with Kadarius Tony, And then I like how you brought up the, the Vikings win over the Cardinals because I think that the Cardinals are going to find their identity soon. I really was low on them in the beginning of the season, but now that DeAndre Hopkins is back and mm -hmm. it's clear that their goal is feed this guy, I think he had he's had 13 or more targets in both his games, I believe, or maybe 11 in the first game, but he's getting the ball and he's catching almost all of his targets. So when they get Marquise Brown back, I think that their offense will really start to show who their uh, true identity, and I think that... 
good things are on the way for the Cardinals. I was, it was nice to see them hang in that game there yesterday with the Vikings. I thought that they had a chance to win at the end of the game. Obviously, they're down eight with the ball in their hands. Unfortunately, they had no timeouts and some bad clock management issues, but I think the Cardinals will be able to make some noise. I think they should be in the top ten near the end of the season. So That's interesting you say that because I think, I think the Cardinals have certainly been the premier, if not one of the premier disappointments in the NFL this season. Um, but they have a bye week upcoming. We've been looking at upcoming schedules for every team. I think the Cardinals are one that I definitely am focusing on because their next three games are Seahawks, Rams, 49ers. Mm-hmm. And we talk about the congested top of the NFC West. Cardinals are 3-5, and five, Seahawks are 5-3, and three, and everything in the, in the division is between that. So it's a very, very close competitive race at the top of the NFC West. And I think the Cardinals will find out who they are in the next few weeks against these few teams. I'll come back to the Bengals for a second. Joe Burrow went out and said it tonight, so a must-win game in Cleveland. And I think it is. I think it's a game they have to win. If they lose, they fall to 4-4. Four and four, But as much as it is a, a big game for the record, I think it's a big game for them because they go without Jamar Chase. I'm going to put T. Higgins up to the test here. I think he is capable of being a wide receiver one, and I think this is a unique opportunity for him at this point in his career to display his skills as a number one receiver because, you know, as Jimmy mentioned, Jamar Chase has been the number one guy. Uh, for T's whole career, they've sort of clouded coverage towards him. They've put two guys on him. Jamar Chase has been undoubtedly a stud. So I'm excited to see what what happens for T Higgins. And I think Joe Burrow um, has a unique opportunity as well to build on his uh, his resume to, in his career up to this point. And I think the if they beat Cleveland and they're home against the Panthers, the Bengals are just a few weeks away from being right back up at the top of this league. And I think I, I'm very much uh, buying stock in the Bengals. I think they'll get back to where they were last year at the top of the, the conference and the league because especially when Jamar Chase comes back, and I pray he does come back to full health, I think he will in a few weeks, they should be rolling, and I think their cards will come in the right time and they'll be very successful going forward. Um, great NFL segment today. Uh, I think a very, very entertaining and a lot of topics that that, that are entertaining that happened in the NFL this week. So great segment today. We'll shift things to the NBA. Um, Still very early in the season, Chad. I know you wanted to bring up some teams that we could sort of discuss as a as a table about whether we buy their buy their stock, sell their stock, or hold it for the for the upcoming season. So, Chad, what, what teams do you have in mind there? Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the guys some teams. Uh, I want to hear some of their opinions on them. We won't get too in detail in their opinions. I mean, we're still early in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're gonna buy the team, which means you think that. Their record might not resemble the team that they really are. You think that their record does resemble the team they are, and you think that it's going to keep getting better. You're either going to sell them, which means you don't think that they're a good team anymore. You don't. Th- you think that the record shows that a team that they aren't really are that they're going to be worse yep, yep, down the road, yep. or you're going to hold them, which means I mean you're just going to hold them. You think that they're going to progressively get better. So we're going to start off with unfortunately my Brooklyn Nets one and five. Just had a heartbreaking loss to the Pacers, which should have been a must win. They were favored by. I think 13 points in that game. So, you guys buying, selling, or holding the Brooklyn Nets? Yeah, real disappointing start, and I know it must be hurting you. One in five is not what we expected out of Brooklyn. Uh, they've had all sorts of headlines going on. Ben Simmons looking like the Ben Simmons that, as an NBA fan, we we sort of feared he would become. Um, at the last time we saw him on the under the under the bright lights was in the playoffs against Atlanta when he passed up the open layup. Mm-hmm. And then my my take on Ben Simmons is every day he sat out made things more hard and complicated for him. I think if he would have just come back and played as soon as he was healthy again, that would have gotten all the stress and pressure off of his back. But instead, he waited out, and he showed up in street clothes to all these games, let the booze grow, 
let the speculation grow, what's going to happen with Ben. And he sort of built a lot of that pressure for himself by sitting out so long. And I think that has really, unfortunately, taken a, a massive toll on his mental health. You hear Kyrie Irving verbally show, giving him support on the court, yelling, shoot it, Ben, all that. You know, it seems like guys have his back, and I really hope that Simmons figures it out. But I don't know. I mean, I don't think it gets worse than where they are right now. So in that case, I'll buy, I'll buy their stock. I think Kevin Durant is still a premier player in the NBA. I think he'll continue to be that for the rest of the year. Kyrie Irving, um, his headlines are always seem to be more off the court than they are on. Waiting for a big thing to happen with him there. Obviously, he's getting he's getting love from the wrong people right now. Kanye West is shouting him out on his Instagram. So Kyrie hopefully can start to separate ball from off the court. Uh, but I'd buy stock in the Brooklyn Nets. I think they, they'll figure it out. And, and like I said, it doesn't really get worse than 1-5. And, and they have a chance to redeem themselves at home against the Pacers tonight. Yeah. Uh, the Nets are uh, very disappointing. Uh, but they, 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 they still have potential. Their star players are performing. Kevin Durant right now averaging 32 points a game. Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving averaging 30.5 points a game. And... Despite uh, Ben Simmons' disappointing performance so far, he is the team leader in assists. 7.2 assists per game, not too shabby. So there's certainly room for him to improve. That's always been, that, that, that's been the case since that famous playoff game against the Hawks where he passed up the open layup and took time away from the game. People knew that he could be a much bigger star and that he could improve, and I think that still remains the case. So I wouldn't give up on the Brooklyn Nets just yet, but I would be cautious. Mm -hmm. At the very least, the players they expected to perform are performing. They are playing like all-stars. Hold. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what Kyrie said. Kyrie said uh, with Ben Simmons, I mean, give him some damn time. He's been out for however long it's been. So, yeah. I mean, you can't really... You can't really hold your opinion on him right now. You got to uh, wait and see what he has down the road. Yeah, imagine I'm a big, you know, big wig in, uh, you know, New York City. I'm on Wall Street. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about stocks. Yeah, you get the Nets. I'm unloading that. Let, buy the truckload. I mean, come on. You got three head cases. You got Kevin Durant. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore, man. He's starting to get senile out there. You got my boy Ben Simmons. The guy thinks he's good. But he's really not. And then you got Kyrie Irving. I don't know if he's still doing the smudge before games, you know, waving that stuff all around the court. But that's not going to help him play better. It's not going to help him win. So, I mean, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I'm unloading that. Okay. Losing four in a row. I think, man, they are going to tank and they are going to continue. Because if you know me, I don't like head cases. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm just going to be honest with you. I backlash against head cases. Uh, you know, so really, honestly, I think, uh, you know, a 1-5 record is exactly indicative of how they're going to continue their season. It's a good start for this segment because we had a diversity in perspective here. I said buy, Kyle said hold, and I think Jimmy said sell. I, 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 really I said tell. unload. I <laughs> know. Uh, <laughs> not just sell, dump it. Well, Chad, we'll, we'll, we'll let you do the talking here because you're the most passionate Nets fan. What do you think? Uh, I, I think the... I don't think it's really a championship team right now, so I don't. I'm not going to hold them to that level. I'm not going to raise the bar that high. But I think one and five is not going to represent how the record's going to look down the road. I think they're definitely going to have a winning record. They're going to be a playoff team, maybe make some noise. But I don't think they're going to be a championship team. I, so I would buy right now, but it's not. It, I think the Brooklyn Nets team uh, a year and a half ago when they had Harden, KD, and Kyrie was a much better team than this is right now. Yeah. 
just with chemistry wise and off the off the court problems wise. But um, I, I would buy in my opinion. Next time we look at the Cavs, the Cavs. Um, Donovan Mitchell has been lights out, and they don't even have their other All Star point guard Darius Garland, who's gonna work so well with Donovan Mitchell. They have their twin towers playing great, and then they have the owner of TD Garden, Karis LeVert, who dropped forty one. Right after a, a 50-point performance he had in the Garden a few years back with the Nets. So um, what do you guys think about the Cavs? Quick thoughts. I'm real excited about the Cavs. And the reason I say that is because they're a team that's still getting their pieces. Like, they're very much brand new in terms of who they are mm-hmm. player-wise. And so you'd expect the, tra- the, the traditional trajectory with that and kind of figuring things out is maybe you start more on the average side, try and figure things out early in the season, and then grow from there. Because I think Cleveland's growth is still ahead of them, yet they are a 5-1 and one team, yeah. you know? Like, they, they came out of the gate explosive. Um, their only loss was on opening night to their opening game for the Raptors. They've won five straight since then. Uh, they beat my Knicks by double digits. Um, so I'm actually really excited to see the Cavs going forward because, like I said, their growth is ahead of them. And, you know, Donovan Mitchell, this is a very, very unique opportunity for him as well, almost similar to T. Higgins, like I brought up in the NFL segment. Can he prove that he is a true number one, but at the same time, he doesn't have to prove that he's a true number one because he has all these other guys with him. So it's not your traditional championship roster. Like, you know, we got LeBron carrying all these these random janitors to the NBA Finals. Um, in this case, it's a very, very spread out, balanced attack, and I'm excited to see what Cleveland does with that. That being said, with it not being a traditional playoff recipe, and we're months and months away from that, we, there's so much that can happen. I do question if that will work against the juggernauts of the East, like Giannis and uh, Jason Tatum and, and, and Durant and Embiid and those guys. That being said, where we stand today, I'm definitely, you know, I'm buying Cleveland, even though I think their stock value has definitely increased looking at their future. So I'd say buy or hold with Cleveland there. But I'm excited. I'm on the same page as you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing good ball right now. They're, you know, they're kind of playing as a team. And I think Donovan Mitchell's doing a great job. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Yep. Um, obviously, I'm not as passionate about the Cleveland Cavaliers as I am the opposite of being passionate about the uh, the Nets. But I'd say I'd probably hold stock in them. I okay. think they're going to continue on this road. I wouldn't you know, spend my money on getting some more because I don't think they're going to end up going all the way this yeah. year. I, they're not there yet. Yeah. I think they need to add one or two more instrumental pieces to their roster. But, you know, I think they can do a lot of good stuff this year and, you know, maybe make a you know, make a case for themselves and being, a, you know, a pretty decent pretty decent team this year. And, you know, I wish Donovan was playing in orange and blue, but he's not. But I'll still give him credit. He's absolutely hooping right now, averaging 32, 4, and 7. Like, that's that that's almost MVP caliber numbers. So I'm, I'd love to see Donovan be healthy throughout the year and continue to grow because I think he deserves it at this point in his career. Yeah. The Cavs are a really exciting team to me, and I will I would buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the composition of their team is really sound. They have great young talent, but it's paired with great veteran leadership. Yeah, you have it in Kevin Love and Robin Lopez, mm-hmm. and also Ricky Rubio, who is currently hurt. So you can only imagine uh, what things will happen when he returns. Yeah. Uh, excellent backcourt with Mitchell and Garland. Garland uh, is only 22 years old. He is already so good and has so much room to grow. Mm -hmm. Donovan Mitchell is one of the premier guards in not just the Eastern Conference but the NBA. Uh, This is a team that I think can play with anybody in the conference. They could certainly give Boston a run for their money. I would buy. Yeah. Um, So now another team. 
last year's NBA champions, the Golden State Warriors. Three and four right now. Um, you know, Clay doesn't look like himself. I know it's difficult coming off the ACL and an Achilles injury. It's just a brutal blow to him, but he looks like he's still a step behind. They had their off-the-court off problems uh, with Jordan Poole, Draymond Green. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on them? I mean, three and four, not the start I think they would have envisioned. You got to hold. I mean, the NBA, like I mentioned last week, is such a long season, and you know, when we look for topics to talk about early on, it's fun and it's easy to overreact about teams. But Golden State is just such an absolute monster in the league, and I think they will figure it out. Um, yeah, I mean, Clay Thompson, you worry about him a bit, but Steph Curry's still out there being Steph Curry's averaging 31, uh, 7, and 6 pretty much. So I think this is just sort of an early season struggle that will pass. Uh, I'm not, not buying just because you can't, you can't really expect any value to, to appreciate with Golden State based on where they're at, but I think they're a team that's going to be playing probably in the finals or at least the conference finals again. So I think they're, they're right on and they'll figure it out as time goes on. Because, you know, they, they've beaten the big teams. They beat the Heat by double digits. And, I mean, the Lakers we thought were a big team. But I think the Warriors will be a team that, is at the top of the league for this year and for coming years. Yeah. Uh, any outsider opinions from you two? Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna Same. say hold. I'm not gonna explain why. Yeah, they're, they're I just, agree. Yeah, I mean they've been good for the last yeah. six seven years. I, I I'll never count the Warriors out completely. Yeah. And now can I propose a question to you guys? Please. Uh, a guy like Jordan Poole, who's been absolutely balling this year. Yep. Has been balling in recent years too. Is coming off the bench, and his minutes are limited because he has Clay Thompson in front of him, and Clay Thompson is obviously a fan favorite there in Golden State. Would you guys be open if you were uh, in man in charge of management for the Warriors? Yep. Would you guys consider trading Clay Thompson to get some other pieces? Clay's averaging twelve point three on thirty four percent shooting this year, less than thirty percent from three. I mean, I just feel like it's holding back such a great player like Jordan Poole. And yeah, it's hard to get rid of Clay Thompson. He built he built what you have established right now, but would it get to the point where you consider that to maybe bring in another piece that could help, or bring in some picks coming down the road, knowing that? Clay Thompson's getting up there in age, and a contender would love to get Clay Thompson and would probably give up a good amount for him. You know, it's a great question, Chad, and I think it actually reminds me of our conversation with Mayock a few weeks ago, and we talked about the emotions of being a, a general manager and can you build a relationship with the player um, mm -hmm. because, you know, you're the one that's trading him and you're the one that's cutting him, and I think Clay Thompson would be the definition of that right now because – I mean, the Bay Area loves Clay. He's a hero. He's done so much for them over the years. And you, I think that actually, in this case, has to be part of the judgment process. And I don't know if you could trade that away. That Like, what message is that sending to Clay? But what message is that sending to Steph, you know? Yeah. They're basically brothers, and they've been brothers for a while. You assume that Clay will, will figure it out, even though he's had injuries and he's getting older. But I think when you look at Golden State's culture, that would just send more of a negative message than it could ever impact the team positively. So I'd say to hold on to Clay. Yeah. Also, do they need to make a move? Like, I think Jordan Poole, I mean, yeah, he'll probably start um, letting some frustration go about being coming off the bench, but he could be embracing that six-man role at this point. And, yeah. I mean, it's their recipe, and it's a winning recipe. I don't. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. If Poole's able to put out all this productivity um, at the moment, why change anything? So I think uh, Golden State shouldn't deal Clay. I'll actually ask you this, Chad. What do you think about flipping it? And I think Jordan Poole could be one of the more high-value trade trade assets in the league. I mean, it seems unlikely, but they could get a haul of assets for him. What do you think about letting him letting him go? Yeah, personally, I wouldn't. I mean, I am very high on Jordan Poole, so that would never come across in my mind. But, um, you know, Jordan Poole's a guy that could create his shot, his own shot, and that's so important to have in the NBA. So having him come off the bench, 
right now takes so much pressure off Steph Curry. Yeah. I mean, he's averaging, I think, around 18 points per game right now. And all his shots, he's he's creating by himself. He's obviously a great catch and shoot if he gets the ball swung to him. Could knock down a three. He's a great passer. But he's a guy who could ISO a man one-on-one and get the bucket by himself. So I don't think Klay Thompson has that as much in him anymore. That's why I'm saying that maybe Klay Thompson would be the one to go. But I think if you do trade Jordan Poole, there's not many – shot creators in the NBA. There are obviously a great amount, but there's not many guys like him who are so crafty with the ball and could do what he does. So I think trading him would put a lot more pressure back onto Curry and then a lot of un, uh, unnecessary pressure onto Klay Thompson's shoulders. Yeah, you know, I think that's pretty interesting. I, I think Klay Thompson is Bay Area basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, he is. Him, him and Steph Curry are Bay Area basketball. That's what it's built on. But why trade anyone? You don't, you don't need to trade. You don't need to trade either. Why does there need to be a definitive statement that we're going to trade one of them? I think Jordan Poole should start increasing his minutes because he had 36 minutes the other night against uh, Detroit. <clears throat> he put up 30 points. Mm-hmm. That's two less than Steph, you know, but he's putting up great numbers, you know, when he's getting that time. And I think Klay Thompson is not going to be able to put up those, you know, those points anymore, you know, as he, as he increases in age and has been hurt and he hasn't been able to stay healthy. He wasn't active uh, against the Pistons. Uh, I think, you know, I think – that era of him, you know, him and Steph Curry, you know, starting all the minutes together, I think that might be over. And I, I think Jordan Poole needs to start taking up that. You know, but why get rid of such a great leader and a mentor that can be there for Poole? And honestly, once again, get those Warriors back on track. I think it would be foolish to even consider trading Clay Thompson because his success in Golden State's success comes down to chemistry. Golden State yeah. best understands Clay's yeah. game. Clay is wonderful at off-ball movement. It's how he creates shots and gets open and just drills three after three. Mm-hmm. When you watch him play, he hardly dribbles because he's just able to get open and move around. And the Warriors know that. Yeah. Other teams may think they know that, but when it might come time to use him in their offensive scheme, it may not totally work. Mm-hmm. Players may not be used to it. And that's why I don't think a trade with Clay Thompson would really work out for either party. And I do think Clay on the Warriors can provide veteran leadership for members of their young core, not just Jordan Poole, but uh, other emerging figures on their team like James Wiseman and Jonathan Kuminga. Mm-hmm. I think Clay can still add a lot to the team, even though he isn't the player he once was. It's hard to lose a great three-point shot after spending so many years developing it. It just it you don't get the shot overnight, and you don't lose it overnight. I think Clay absolutely is cemented on this team and is not going to be going anywhere and shouldn't be going anywhere. Yeah, well, I'll leave it at this. I mean, the reason I asked is because I don't think the miss Clay Thompson is getting right now is going to be sustainable and is going to lead to Golden State getting more wins. And with that being said, I know Clay Thompson is a winner himself, so I don't think that he would be happy with a reduced role. I think if it were to be the case where Jordan Poole and Clay uh, Thompson were to switch minutes or even Clay Thompson were to lose even more minutes than that, I don't think he would be the happiest person, although he loves being in Golden State. He loves playing basketball, too, and we all know that. Mm-hmm. It's Clay Thompson, so I don't know if that were to be the case, how they would treat, how Clay Thompson would be with that, how he'd feel with that. And then, like you said, he's such a great off-ball mover, but 
you tear your ACL and you tear your Achilles, you don't have that same movement that you have anymore, along with getting up and Well, yeah, hits, well, the, so. the other side of it is what, what would they get in return for Clay? Can they get that much anymore, you know? Well, I think a contender would be extremely willing to give to give up a lot to get Clay Thompson. I think if you look at the Lakers, like someone, I know they don't have a lot of assets to give, but I'm almost certain to like say picks. that they would give up their first, they, they would give the two first-round picks they have right now, and maybe even a few young players alongside yeah. of that. So, uh, I, I think that a contender would love to have him just because the name he is, the locker room presence he brings, and the it's too early to say he's not he's not going to pick up a shooting, but the ability yeah. that he has to shoot the basketball. So, yeah. I yeah. think that they definitely would be able to get something in return for him. Yeah, I think moral of the story for me right now, and it seems like a lot of guys here, is if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And it, I don't think Golden State has to fix it yet, despite mm -hmm. their 3-4 and four record. Yeah. Um, I think if they can keep their foundation solid, they'll they'll be great going forward. Yeah. Uh, so the last team I'm going to ask about, I just kind of hinted at them, it would be the Los Angeles Lakers. The Los Angeles Lakers pick up their first win the other day over the Nuggets, 1-5 right now. But so is this one in five? Is this one in five going to be something that is going to be the picture down the road? They're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to make the play-in. They're going to be a losing record. Or is this one in five to start something new? Are you guys buying or are you selling or holding? You, you know, I was pretty negative about them last week. I was pretty negative about, you know, the Nets this week. But how can I even be more negative when we talk about buy, sell, and hold? You know, instead of just, you know, shipping off the shares by a truckload, let's put those shares on a freaking ship and move them to a foreign country because I don't want the Lakers. Nobody wants the Lakers. The only people that want the Lakers are the Lakers itself. They are built on delusion. They are a terrible team. I don't even know what to say about them anymore. It's just, once again, it's just like you stack all these great players on great players on great players, but then they think they're still great, but when they can't play together, it is like watching a bunch of six-year-olds try to play an organized game of basketball. It's terrible. It's not fun to watch. And my goodness, I couldn't sell those shares fast enough. I, I agree. They are not, they're not good. They're not even the best team in Los Angeles. Uh, and with the, the Clippers, Kawhi, uh, he's hardly even played yet. And the Clippers are still a better team than the Lakers, despite all the Lakers' talent. Uh, I think in looking at the Lakers, you, you have an issue with Russell Westbrook. Uh, it's a big elephant in the room. Uh, is he comfortable coming off the bench? I know that they had tried that the last game and it resulted in a victory, but can that be done throughout an entire season? I don't think it's likely. I think Russell is someone who savors the spotlight. Uh, I think if they continue to take him off the bench, uh, uh, it'll grow old for him. Uh, he may want out. and. Uh, just in general, I think the team lacks accountability. Uh, people turn to LeBron because he's the best player in the team, the, the leader, but I also think other guys on the team have to step up. Uh, I don't think Anthony Davis has quite been what the Lakers wanted him to be. And granted, he is coming off of an injury, but mm -hmm. it's, it's still, they're still not living up to the expectations, and I think that will not be the first time or the last time uh, we say that this season. It's it's not looking pretty for them. It, I I would sell. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, so my, my thing with them is I, I I would buy. I don't think they're going to be a great team, but I think they're going to be better than their record shows yeah, right now. Yeah, you can't now. sell for anything. You, yeah, you're selling yourself for a penny. But um, 
I think the Russell Westbrook off the bench experiment is working. He was he had their highest plus minus yesterday, a plus of eighteen. He had eighteen points, eight assists, and four rebound or eight rebounds. Sorry, he shot fifty percent from the field, fifty percent from three, which is unheard of from Russ, and he didn't miss a free throw. So he also said that he's willing to do whatever it takes to get wins. So. I think the off-the-bench experiment might be great for Russ, and it might be the next thing that could help him kind of revive his legendary Hall of Fame career. That We all know Russell Westbrook is a first-ballot, undoubted Hall of Famer. I don't think he'll get back to the numbers he used to put up, but I think that we'll be able to see a nice, consistent approach from him going forward if he, they continue bringing him off the bench. His ego is going to get in the way. It, yeah, it was funny last night. I know when I had my whole Yankees meltdown last week, I talked about how New York always – overreacts to their to their to their fault you know when they had parades after winning one playoff game and I, I was happy to see Darvin Ham get his first win but oh my god they flooded him in that locker room after winning after improving to one and five it's like the, it's like the Timberwolves play that's no, exactly they acted like they won the Super Bowl um <laughs> but regardless uh, I don't know like like I think Chad you're hitting it on the spot there you can't sell the stock because no one's looking to buy right now but they they're a team that needs to make roster moves in order to even think about contending. I mean, their ceiling, I believe, right now is the play-in or a first-round exit with what they have. Uh, I don't think they have a playoff roster despite having LeBron and AD. Um, hopefully they continue to improve, but it's like it's not even to the level in the past where we're saying LeBron can carry this team because I don't think his supporting cast is even at the threshold level where he could yeah. carry, you know? And I think no one really can argue with that. Um, so I feel frustrated for Braun, feel frustrated for AD, but hopefully Westbrook figures things out, and that I think they're going to have to experiment at this point. And last night against Denver, which is a, a contender, they were able to get that win with Westbrook coming off the bench. So we'll see what happens with the Lakers. I think, yeah, it's not looking positive, but they can make a few moves and go from there. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, wrapping things up today, we'll, we'll talk quickly about the World Series. Uh, Philly and Houston tied at a game, big game three coming up tonight. Um, any any thoughts from you guys about the World Series? Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, I'm always been a big baseball guy, you know, so I, I'd love to finish it off with a little bit of old America's pastime here. Uh, I, I really do like uh, this matchup, you know, Philadelphia Phillies. You haven't seen them since, I believe, uh, 2009, correct? Yeah, yeah great, but, great series yeah, that great, was. Good one. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, but then you got, you know, the Astros, you know, everyone's least favorite team in America. Uh, you know, so I really think it's uh, the entire U.S. is going for uh, the Philadelphia Phillies while, you know, the rest of them, the people down in, uh, you know, one of the worst states, one of the worst cities in Texas. One of the worst states. One of the worst cities. One of the worst cities in Texas. You won't hear Jimmy Taylor say that too often. That was just a little bit of a mistake there. But, you know, one of the worst cities in Texas. You know, everyone everyone hates the Astros. So I, I think it's going to be a great game, uh, great uh, series going forward. You know, the Phillies with Schwarber. Schwarber's not great at, um, you know, contact hit, but he's putting on pretty good power. And then Reese Hoskins has been going up. You know, absolutely stupid this uh, this uh, postseason. Same thing with JT Real Milto's going crazy. Bryce Harper, obviously with the ALCS MVP, you know, had the huge uh, home run, and he you know, he's doing well. He didn't have any hits in uh, you know the other day's game, but uh, you know, I still think he's due. You know, he's he's playing yeah. DH. He's, he's gonna be great. Nick Nick Castellanos, great all time um, you know lineup right there. And uh, then uh, obviously on the other side, you got Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve, you know, great. Um, obviously solid, great second baseman. He's gonna keep putting up numbers. He had three hits in uh, the other night's contest. Uh, Jeremy Pena, who's having a great year, uh, obviously oh. a rookie. And then you just got a really solid, um, a solid, you know, solid lineup. And uh, you know, I, I think um, 
they they did handily beat uh, Philly uh, two to five, five to two on the other night. And um, but the, by the first game with the Phillies uh, coming back from a five zero deficit, yeah, you know that really shows the Philadelphia Phillies have fight. Yep, and they also have you know a good enough offense to come from behind. And uh, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know that's just going to make for a great great series. So I'm excited to watch. Yeah, and what a time to be a Philadelphia sports fan. I mean, that's where all the excitement's coming from right now. They got an undefeated football team, and they got the Phillies, who no one really expected to be here, but they're here and they're in it. They came back. Not only did they come back, but they came back against probable Cy Young winner uh, Justin Verlander the other night. So I think Philadelphia, you know, the series is tied at 1-1, and it tilts back to Philly now. They're home. They got probably one of the more raucous crowds in the sport I think Philadelphia is going to be ready to explode tonight and in these upcoming games. I think Philly could win one or two in Philadelphia and only be a game game away heading back to Houston. So I think Philadelphia could pull this off. Um, I think their their guys have been really uh, overproducing. I think they'll continue to do so. I think the Phillies might pull this one out. Bit biased. I absolutely can't stand the Astros. I think I took off enough enough. Took up enough airtime last week with my Yankees rant, but uh, yeah, Kyle, anything, any thoughts with the World Series? It's it's a it's a great presentation of narratives. Uh, obviously, the Astros uh, seem to be totally unable to wash away the stink of the 2017 season. Uh, the Phillies, on the other hand, are this great underdog story, a team that struggled early on and then turned it around. Yep. Uh, midway through the season, kind of like last year's Atlanta Braves. They are extremely hot, and they're just really fun to watch. And you got to look at Bryce Harper. This is his first World Series. Mm -hmm. It may be his only World Series. This guy is a total star, first ballot Hall of Famer. You'd have to think that he would want to seize this opportunity by any means necessary. Uh, Jimmy mentioned that he is due for... Uh, some hitting, I couldn't agree more. And with the series back in Philly, I think we're going to watch some chaos ensue. For I, sure. I like the Phillies going forward in this series. Yeah, it'll be a great series to follow, and we'll come back and talk more about it next week. But great, nice and long segment today. Hopefully you all enjoyed today's show. I know I had a great time. We covered a lot of great topics, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ILR Sports Business Society's podcast. Thank you. Thank you all.